and so forth. So let me pray for us. Father, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for um, all those that are, that are here with us, and uh, thank you for this opportunity we have to be blessed and encouraged by each other, um, to, be, to be known, uh, to not go at this alone, uh, to learn how uh, to better share the, the weight and the joys of church ministry with those who really get it. Um, we don't have to explain a lot to each other in this room because we're, we're, we're in the struggle, we're in the tension. Um, and so I just thank you for the, um, I don't know, just for the freedom that we have in this group. Um, and I just ask that you bless the marriages and um, ministries of, of these represented here and that you would uh, give us all in our churches uh, what it is that I sense and discern from First Baptist Jolton um, and that just being that we truly make a, a vital impact in a positive way in our community um, that would just be a blessing. It would change, it would change our cities. Um, it would change our communities. Lord, help us last and would today be a shove towards that end. Thank you for my buddy Aaron. Just ask that you be with us both as we lead this time. In Christ's name, amen. Um, <clears throat> so as we get in, um, one thing I don't want to forget to say is uh, we do like Bible reading plans throughout uh, the year here at the Axis, and we mail these to anybody who gives us an address. Um, we cover all that, uh, make all that happen. But if you uh, want to read along with us, uh, they come in a set of two because they work as bookmarks. Uh, so you have an Old Testament bookmark and a New Testament bookmark, and reading through this, it's about three chapters a day, um, but you'll get through the whole Bible in a year, and um, if you do it with others in your church, you're able to reference many times a passage from the reading plan during your teaching time, um, which brings uh, accountability, because they're like, oh wow, he actually is reading it. Um, but all, it is camaraderie, um, and even if people just get through January, you know? <laughs> It's like to read the Bible every day for a month um, is so much more than the average Christian, unfortunately. Um, but if they can finish, they become part of the 9% of Christians, uh, faithful followers of Jesus Christ that have actually read the Bible all the way through, which is a terrible stat. Um, but these are just trying to help encourage that to get the 10%. Um, so grab some of these, grab scores of these um, if you want, and uh, take them and uh, I'm sure there's a way of, of getting you. Did we get you the document that you could change the logo on? Okay, so even if you want to change the logo and put your logo on these, uh, we'll send it to you if you guys want to try to get time to print these out to have available for your people with your own branding. That's fine too, but they're here re ready right now, hundreds of them, if you don't mind our branding. But I understand that that's kind of odd sometimes for church planners. You know, we want our logo on stuff, and I get that. Um, so that can happen if you want. We can send you the file. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, how many, how many, um, are lead planters or pastors here right now today? One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Um, how many have been in a ministry position, uh, for less than seven years? Less than seven years, including planters, pastors, whatever. One, two, three, four. Okay. All right. Um, I'll be honest, starting out uh, our time here, uh, there's been a lot of men and women around these tables over the years, and uh, some aren't in the ministry anymore. Um, some have uh, gotten into selling insurance, uh, cars, um, many faithful pastors, church planters, um, their marriages have tanked. Um, I've got a folder in my inbox, my Gmail account, uh, marked closed churches, um, because it is so prevalent where I just, I hear news, I get an email or something, or I take a screenshot of something, email it to myself, and I drop that email in that inbox, <clears throat> and unfortunately, that, that grows. Um, that's a, a file that continues to grow. Um, even uh, last month, you know Dave Ficken, love that man, with uh, Rhythm City. Um, the Lutheran church planner, um, his denomination just pulled the plug on his church. And he's just kind of trying to figure out what's next and where to go from here. Um, I love that guy. 
you know, he, he loved the Cubs. I don't know if y'all remember him. Taller guy, real happy, uh, good voice. Um, but I, I, really, uh, I really just want to encourage you all in such a way that, um, that we last, that we just last, that we endure, that like Eugene Peterson, that we develop habits that create a long obedience in the same direction so that it's sustainable. Uh, and a lot of this has to do with our health um, and how we lead and our emotional, uh, emotional health. Uh, I was talking to Aaron yesterday, and um, there's, there's three times when the average pastor or church planter is really needed. They are highly valued in my experience over 10 years. They're highly valued at three different points um, in their ministry, okay? I really need to get some time with you because, one, somebody's done something really wrong. <laughs> two, they feel like you've done something really wrong. Or three, they're leaving your church. So if you get an email saying, I need time with you, instant, instant pastoral PTSD. And you're just like, which one of those three is it going to be? And rarely is it something different. And so a couple months ago, um, Jordan Anderson, our music minister here, um, he's going to go into more songwriting and touring and, and go on the road, which is super stoked about that. Um, but he texted me saying, I really, I need to get some time with you. In my mind, I'm like, oh no. So I'm like, hey man, give me a heads up. Because of all the years of ministry, I have this pastoral PTSD, you know, I always dread the worst. He's like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> and so we finally got time the next day. And it was exactly, I'm like, you told me not to worry about it. This is exactly what I worry about, you know. So we laughed about it then. But it's like, this is what I'm talking about. Um, but anyway, um, that's the reality, man. When, when someone really wants you, they've done something wrong, you've done something wrong, or they're leaving. Um, and that's a lot to shoulder. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, a book that's really helped me, I believe it was recommended by Randy Drawn, is, uh, The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. My all-time favorite book. All-time favorite book. I've purchased, I don't know, maybe half a dozen of those to give away. No, more than that, probably ten, um, over the last month to give away. I've got one coming in the mail today to give to a pastor friend. Um, and, uh, it has really helped um, make me less cynical. The Voice of the Heart, The Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd. Um, <clears throat> so we want to encourage you guys to remain, to stay, and so we, we might be telling some stories and asking uh, some questions and, uh, and want to hear more from you, but kind of open up and, and share your heart, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I, this is a, a, a cool time of year in a lot of ways, but it's uh, are we recording this? Is that why we're doing this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, so it's, a, it's a special time of year with more disposable time, kind of, depending on what, what, what day of the year it is and so forth. So, so we're, get, we're getting ready to, to, to move into to a new year. And, and I think that um, what I've, I've struggled with a lot of different things, and one of the things I really continually struggle with is the expectations I put upon myself. And so just, just kind of what I just just what I'm thinking right now and, and you guys may help me and so we'll, we'll just kind of throw it out. I mean, we we all kind of start off with this this hubris of, a, you know, what is it? A, a new new year, a new me kind of thing. And, and, you know, and goal settings good. I could talk about goal setting, why that's important. But I, I was just I, I'm going to eastern Kentucky, my wife's um, where her hometown is. And that's a, a place of where I start really reflecting. God really speaks to me often there, so I'm anticipating that happening next week. Um, and, and a lot of times I come out with these like really impressive plans, like I'm gonna do all this stuff this next year in 2019. And, and some years that's been really good and it's, it's actually led to some important accomplishment. Uh, but this particular year, I, I, was, I was just thinking, I, I wanna just enjoy uh, God next year, <laughs> you know? And, and you, you know, just, the, the pressure we put on ourselves as as uh, as ministers and Christians can can be you know just so so crushing you know and I, I think that uh, when it comes to 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 the pastoral life um, a lot of what a lot of what leads us to tenure is counterintuitive to a lot of what we're trained because we're trained kind of like the the bigger the vision 
it's like if you can just dream it up, it, it's going to happen. And, and I think, you know, maybe you guys can help me with this. I mean, that leads to disillusionment. Whereas if you just kind of like, hey, I, I'm going to be happy to pastor 20 people for 20 years. And it doubles. You're like, oh, we have 40 people. Praise <laughs> God. This is awesome. I serve a God who's bigger than I can even dream, you know. But then, you know, we have this whole thing of like, it, like it just feels strong. It feels good. To say, you know, I, I've, I've talked to two church planners in the last year and a half who said, I believe we'll be at 1,000 in one year. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but let's just say not even close to that story. Yeah. Not even 3% of that story. So, I don't know. Managing expectations. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You know, trying to, to manage my expectations. And, and, and embedded within that is enjoying the Lord. Because, why, you know, in my, in, in my past, I like got resentful to God because he didn't meet my expectations. You know, that's not quite fair, is it? Yeah, the expectation thing of the expectations we put up on ourselves, the expectations we feel like our people have for us, um, and and then of course the biblical expectations, um, and it's like we we're good at failing at all those things and disappointing people, um, but then how to continue through that without the continued growing despair and weight and discouragement? Um, Hunter uh, asked me this morning as I was getting out of the car. It's like, you know, how are you? How are things? And it's just like. The more, uh, which I appreciate the question, because I know that you meant it, um, but often it's just a, an icebreaker. It's just, uh, we, we're not expecting the truth, um, because it's like, well, you know, someone was raped in our church this week, um, did a, a funeral, um, did a wedding, did divorce counseling, uh, celebrated an engagement, um, miscarriage in our church family, um, welcomed a new life into our family. Um, you know, you're just in these constant, you're going, like I was sharing with our church not long ago, just the, the, the struggle of pastoral ministry where you go from radical extremes. You know, you're celebrating the birth of this child, and then you pick up the phone call and say, I'm so sorry you've lost your, lost your baby. You know, and you're, you're celebrating an engagement, you're celebrating a wedding, and then you're like, man, I know you guys can make it. You know, you're in year 12, you guys can stay married. I just know you can. Let's get together, let's have coffee, uh, let's try, try to work through this. I mean, you're constantly going through these extremes. And so when people are like, you know, how are things? It's like, man, it is hell on earth. It's really, really hard. And I don't have a clue how to, how to lead and, and, and meet these people where they are. I don't know how to be um, a good leader for these people. Um, and so the, the, the problem is, I think, is very few conferences, very few resources are out there to say that's normal. You know? Because it's like if you're, go ahead. Sunday's going to be so amazing 
And you can feel the tension in that moment, especially if there's a, a goof up, right? You're just like, oh, gosh. We absolutely do, yeah. And, and when I, I gave my little, my, my opening thought, so to speak, it, it, it sound, sound very redundant for like, you know, Eric, we've been doing this for years together. I mean, it, this is not new content that, that we're all talking about here. So it's one of those things where I think we need to be reminded. Because mm -hmm. for me, um, everything I just shared with you is not like that's a distant past kind of thing that's like, I'll be tempted this afternoon or tomorrow in that kind of thing. And Eric and I were texting each other a couple of weeks ago, encourage each other in this area. And, and, and there's many, many factors for it. And identifying those factors are helpful, you know, until we get to some application points, like, you know, you know how, how to overcome those. But I think some of these things just are not going to change. I mean, it, you know, they're not, they're not going to necessarily change uh, external factors, but we have to change how we respond to them and so forth. Yeah, and if your expectation is that they're going to change, then that leads to fatigue, frustration, yeah. despair, and we want to quit. Yeah, and the reason gatherings like this are important, even maybe the most important part of today's gathering has already occurred, you know, with mm. the fellowship. And I'm sorry, I had to send emails that were asked me for some information at the office, so I wasn't trying to be aloof or anything. Um, but but that, that's uh, probably the most important things accomplished because of this uh, sense of... Um, of, of we, we, you know, we're on mission together and, and, and trying to find the ministry things. But I did want to speak to something you said earlier. And I think this will be really helpful for all of us in the pastorate. And, and it's going to, you know, I, I don't want to create a divide between the, the, the clergy and laity because I, I do think we need to, you know, be right there with them. And, and again, I keep referring to Eric. I saw a beautiful post of yours about your best friends being within the church and, and so forth. But giving another angle for my context is the, the, um, the expectations of the people are always going to be for the next, you know, for the next step, the next growth. And so, so some of those are almost unavoidable. And, and I, I have had my best friends in the church turn on me unexpectedly many times in 24 years. Mm -hmm. So, and, and this is a part about that's being recorded, I don't necessarily always like, <laughs> but it, it's an art, let's put it this way, it's an art to, to, to have that closeness Jesus had with his disciples, but at the same time, not allowing yourself to have your emotional needs met through people in your mm -hmm. church, because they do not have the capability to understand the things Jeremy was saying as much as they want to. So Jeremy is, is talking about this, this dichotomy of a baby being born and then you get a call about someone else and all this. And as much as people try to empathize until you've been in that spot, you just don't understand that. And it's unfair for us to expect people to understand that. Right? It's un unfair. I mean, you, you, can give, you can give speeches like that in your church and no one's going to be able to really understand it. And so the, this, the, the investment in collegial relationships like this is important for that, you know, because, you know, you know Hunter understands it. So even when I greet him and say hello once a month and, and have some small talk, there, there is, there's life to that. And so, yeah. Yeah, as far as, sustainable, as far as success goes, I was thinking through, like, you know, how, how I try to gauge success because uh, I think that'll help us with our expectations as well as um, I don't know, kind of a score sheet that we do need in regards to goal setting and whatnot that is helpful. Um, three things, faithful, healthy, and sustainable. Um, just seek faithfulness, seek health, and let it be sustainable, um, which means not overpromising. <laughs> um, it for sake of recruitment, right? Because um, a lot of church planners try to oversell, um, you know, yeah, we're going to have a kids ministry starting next week now that your family's here, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I've, I've, I've said that many times over the first three years of our church because um, we didn't have a kids ministry till year four, maybe. It was, right, three or four? 
Yeah. <laughs> it really does. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, when, when people become partners, or that's what we call our members here, uh, when people become partners or um, when new people show up because they find us online or something and you feel like they're going to stick, um, ten years later, there's the sense, to, to your point, Brooks, it's like, yeah, we want the big crowds, but then really, you, the, the more that you're in it, I feel like there's almost this like bittersweetness about more people showing up. Because it's like you feel the weight of responsibility for their spiritual souls and their lives. And so like, okay, there's more people, but it's like, man, how, how are we going to steward and disciple and shepherd these people? Like you want a thousand people in the first unit. Are you kidding me? That's true. Yeah. yeah, these guys are more mature. You guys are more mature than I am, because I still geek out when the crowd's up. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. And then I go counsel myself and try to get spiritual again. Yeah. My sister brother-in-law in a Charles Swindoll church plant down in Frisco, Texas. Yeah, they opened up with 900 people, but it stayed at 900. That's where it sat. Yeah. Exhausting. It's exhausting. And I did agree with what you said, Brooks. I wasn't giving a counterpoint. I was just saying, I was just speaking to. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, sometime when we talk along these lines, you know, I'll hear someone, and they're often connected, I guess, with denominations, and they'll talk about the counterpoint to this vibe we have. It's like, yeah, but what about that pastor who doesn't want to grow and is just satisfied with what they have? I mean, I've never quite, I guess those guys exist out there, <laughs> but like, I've never, I've just never hung out with people like that. I've never hung out with pastors who are just like, I'm happy in my church. I'm just satisfied. So, so a lot of what we're saying, it comes from a baseline of, of high capacity people who understand growth trends and understand the need, you know, understand how finances work, understand, you, you know, sustainability principles but who are just upset <laughs> compared to the, these people, to people who are just like, you know, not, not interested in, in progress. Go ahead. Yeah, for me, I, the cards on the table was like, I have a major personal issue. I don't, I don't, I don't want to rant too bad if you up here. Of just the machine of metrics that we've created. I have a major issue with that whole thing. Um, and, and so, I mean, one of the things I'm trying to train myself is, Mission Church is doing, can Mission Church be doing this 100 years from now? And if we can't, then it's probably gospel. Hmm. But if we can't, then it's probably an, an improper metric. Because whatever we're doing at its core, and I understand like styles can change, but okay, who can't sing this song in 100 years? I'm not saying the style of it may change. Core message of this song, if it can't be sung in a hundred years, I probably shouldn't sing that. Like, if we can't do this ministry or whatever in a hundred years when we're gone, then we probably shouldn't do it now. So, let's try to create a biblical metric of, and I keep coming back to this, and Aaron, you've heard me say this, you guys have both heard me say this, but it's like, I think, brothers and sisters, we got to come back to pastors and flock that is among you.
has happened to us as well in this last few months, and we are the only people in the church that know it, mm-hmm. right? So simultaneously, you have those things going on, and it's like if if we don't care for that sister and that brother because we're so concerned that this young couple out here who is disenfranchised with the church isn't here, then we're going to miss an opportunity to really shepherd and care for them. Mm-hmm. That metric, something I think of is, can every sermon I preach, I try, I try to go into it with the, like the final edit. One of the final things I ask is, could this be read at the bedside of an 85-year-old Christian as they die? And would it encourage them? You know? Yeah. Yeah, the sustainable. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. Thank you. It was so good. But the the sustainable, the enduring metric, though, um, you know, that's that's vital. Um, not just to to sort of check whether we're healthy in a way, but also the sustainability piece. It's the first three years of our church. It's like I constantly ask, like, can this work? Let's find something that works. And then it's had to shift to like become like, will it last? You know, it's not will it work, but will it last? Is this sustainable? Um, sure, we can, but will we always be able to? You know, and there's certain things, you know, more superficial things, just go with what works. But, but the significant things within your church, asking will it last, will it endure, uh, can we continue to say yes to this sort of thing um, for the long haul? Um, yeah. Yeah, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. One of those things, 
um, I, f I stumbled upon that I realized I valued uh, when Jordan, uh, our music guy, told me a couple months ago that he's leaving. We met back here in his office, and um, man, just again, losing a buddy. Um, it just, it hurts. So I, I walked, I walked down, and you know, I cried with him and, and everything. Um, but then I, you know, I come in, the lights are off in this room, uh, shut the door, and I, I know how the chairs are situated in here. Uh, so I was able to walk through the dark. I didn't want to turn my flashlight on. I just, I wanted it to stay dark. And, <clears throat> and I got here, and I just sat down, and I fell back on my back. I just started crying. And I was just, um, lonely, um, investment, walking out again, um, that I made in this guy, um, and we'll stay friends, he's going to stay local, like, it's fine, he still is with us, um, I think he's leading Sunday and Christmas Eve, um, so it's all wonderful, Jordan is fantastic, and he's doing what he should be doing. I'm convinced of that, but it sucks. Um, and I guess the value that's hidden there that I realized as I was praying is, man, that, that phrase of that song, though, though none go with me, still I will follow. Um, is that okay? Um, leaving father and mother to follow me is, is what Jesus is looking for. Um, is that okay? Mm. Um, so the value of Jesus over people is sustainable um, and it's not being resolved to being lonely because um, I'm not going to be lonely um, I've, I've tried that and it's not fun <laughs> uh, but you, you get to that point where you're just like you know what um, I'm not going to get involved in a deep friendship again because it won't last and it won't be real those are the two lies of the enemy with friendship for a pastor. It won't last or it won't be real. And, <clears throat> and it's like, no, it's, it's going to be real. And if it lasts, like, that doesn't matter. Like knowing that Jesus is with me, knowing that, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, it's the Lord's goodness that says, Jeremy, take your hands off of, of that relationship and just handle it, trust it with me, but cling to me. So I came home that day as I told Jill about, about Jordan, and I said, honey, we're going to be, like, anybody can leave and we're going to be okay. If yeah. Jesus left, we'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> and it's Jesus just saying, enjoy these friendships, keep them open-handed, but cling to me. Amen. And then you can faithfully shepherd, faithfully preach, faithfully minister, faithfully be with those that are mourning and those who are celebrating, like, but it's clinging to Christ, not being like, this is what I really need over here, and kind of like take or leave Jesus, but the, it's been a hidden blessing in disguise as people have transplanted from us and gone to the places or gotten hurt and left or whatever, and it's, it's been this constant struggle of trying to realize that, man, I should have been clinging to Christ and handling these people faithfully, open-handedly, though, not going to them for what only Christ can offer me. Um, so there's a, there's a value in there somewhere um, for me. Yeah. Well, there's so much in my mind now, but, but I want to speak to, to something. I think it's wonderful. I heard from you, Tommy, and then about Eric through Laura that your wives are speaking into your ministry. I mean, that's, that's just so key. And, you know, I want to honor my wife who I can't get her here on Thursdays because that's her busiest day of the week with her responsibilities at our church. Um, but uh, she's from, I, I mentioned Eastern Kentucky, you know, from Appalachia. And, and as we've, we've been married 21 years, and it's funny how um, as time goes on, our, our, our places of origin are affecting us more. I'm, I'm recognizing we met as, you know, in our 20s, we're, we have common interests. And then as we, we've aged, our background is coming out more. And, and there's a point to this. So I'm from Dallas. And I went to a really big church in Dallas, for, especially for that time. And Dallas and Tulsa and Atlanta, Christianity is different than any other 
parts of the world. And maybe Nashville's part of that now, too. So I'm always thinking big, big, big advance. And then she's, you know, uh, Appalachia people are more family, clanish. You know, so she's in a, in a good way as far as we're a clan and, and tribe. Tribe is a better way to put that. And, and they're like, you know, we're going to take care of our people. You won't talk about my mama or I'm going to, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, and, and, and um, three families in every town. <laughs> so, and, and, and I, I took too long to explain our background. The, the point was, like, she's like the primary, you know, voice in my life, even when I don't like it, you know, mm. even, even when it ticks me off, you know. So, maintaining that marriage, because the only person that is guaranteed not to leave my church is Beth. As my kids are launching into adulthood, two in high school, one in college, you know, it's not even healthy for me to expect them to go to our church. I want them to, and it's looking good. My mom goes to our church. I have a lot of, you know, my mom and my sister go to my church, but not my brother, not not Beth's brother who live in Hendersonville. So you you have, you manage that, and I'm just reinforcing what you said. Mm. You know, so, so having that kind of mindset is, again, it's that art of we're a family. You know, we use that language here. Man, welcome to our family. You're part of the family. We're part of the family. But, but I'm, but I, I, I'm going to cling to Christ. I'm going to cling to my relationship with my wife and, and so forth. So that's, that's, a, that's a hinge for me, you know, you know, setting my expectations. What about you? I mean, you, you help us. You, you brought the best question. You, you have anything that's stirring in your mind or heart? No, no. I mean, part of it is just this. Okay. Let, let me give my opinion on something else. I think we're, we're uh, way too much victim to um, the, how should, how, should, how should we label this? The, the, I used to call it Jesus junk or Jesus culture. The, the, um, the capitalistic side of Christianity, and in, in meaning this is parachurch organizations, and I'm just going to be blunt because I love all these people. Stuff that happens outside of the local church when people are trying to get you to do something, the question is, like, how are they, how are they making their money? Mm-hmm. All right, so we, we feel, because of social media, we feel like we've got to read this book and we've got to follow this principle. And usually the people who are really pushing us to do that, even if they pastor a church, are, are benefiting from that financially. So I just want to say that we put pressure on ourselves to, to, um, to, to mimic something but the person who's wanting us to mimic is going to gain from that financially. Does that make sense at all? Mm-hmm. And so I just think that whole, the, I, think, I, I think the consultant, the coaching and consulting trend is very dangerous to the church. Mm. Um, Putting a price on discipleship. Well, how many consult? Huh? huh? Totally built around. Uh, That's why we have so many Bible translations. Yeah. You know, Absolutely, absolutely, all that. There's no credi- there's no critical thought to the accuracy of a translation. On <laughs> that, that is my favorite version because I'm not Southern Baptist. I could, I've had to come over that. Um, one of the things sustainable for my family, Tommy, and I've had to learn this really the hard way, um, is trying to find friendships within the church. With, with, with a city church plant, it's so transient. You know, when, when you're a city church, there's so many, so many people in and out, you know, pastoring over 2,000 people, you know, here, you know, like totally bought in. Uh, we've got, you know, 350, um, though we've pastored hundreds more. It's just they, it's so transient. They're all over America. They're all over the world. You know, Korea, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but they're like our people, and I can't help but still love them. And I can't get rid of them because I'm like, I, I spiritually care for them. But then my family, like my kids, my wife, are having to constantly say bye. Like I, I said this to somebody the other day. I hate that the most frequent words I feel like I say to people are thank you and goodbye. I hate that. 
But I get it. People transfer. They're, they're transient. They're, they're in and out. You know, 25 colleges and universities right here. So there's people in and there's people out. When you're an educational hub, there's people in, there's people out. When you're the most, when you're the, uh, most entrepreneurial uh, city in America, there's people in, there's people out. You know, the running concepts and going somewhere else. And so um, trying to find friendships for your family um, that are more permanent people, which is often looking in the suburbs around your city, um, seeing if they own their house versus if they rent their house. And, and learning to try to build more, more frequent relationship, uh, relationship time with the people that are, you can at least assume they're going to be there a little bit longer than those who are just renting, um, has, has been something over the last couple of years I've, I've trying to take a mental note of. But my, my, big, my big idea, I guess, for today is I hope, I hope that, that you hear me right here and believe me that if you have experienced any of this sort of weight or frustration in, in ministry, that you know that you're doing a good job and it's normal. It's normal. So often when I counsel um, couples that are in marital conflict, it's like, so what's going on? Well, we're always this, this, and this, and I just so want us to be this. And this. I'm like, you're normal. Like, that marital tension is normal. Running from that to try to, to into another relationship or, or divorce here, like, it's going to be the same. Like, this is normal life on life, the frustrations that come with it. Now, of course, there's radical natures of this. There's abuse. There's a lot of things that, that can't just be umbrellaed in with that, that have to take exception to this rule. But conflict is conflict. Right? It's, it's because you're living life on life with somebody and you're trying to figure out what it looks like to live as one when you're two. Individual yet family. Right? Singular yet a couple. Two becoming one. That's, that's difficult. For 40 years, you can say that it's difficult. It's really, it's, it's such hard work. It's such hard work. But that's normal. But we place this unnecessary unrealistic expectation that a happy marriage is one without conflict. No, no. A happy marriage is one that knows how to handle conflict. And so as a pastor, Great as a job. church planter, you've got to know you're, all, you're always going to be having this conflict. There's always going to be this frustration. This is normal. This is the necessary pastoral weight that you're going to carry. You're not doing something wrong. That's and a good. lot of times we feel like we're doing something wrong when it gets difficult and tough and we want to bounce. Yeah. And I want to see more pastors faithfully endure and more ministers faithfully endure. And a lot of that is just coming to the realization that this tension and struggle is normal. And you're going to have to find, what is it, Colossians 128, I think it might be, where um, to this end we toil, we struggle with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's like that's where we have to be at. Like if you carry this pastoral weight of, the, of, of ministry on your own shoulders, it will crush you and you will end up in sales somewhere. But if you know how to properly leverage this with the, the greater pastor, with the true shepherd, the chief shepherd, like with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, shouldering this with you, allowing him to do his work through you. And it's not you trying to white knuckle and figure it out by yourself, but, but learning to, to let him carry this with you. Man, that, like, it's, it's not trying to get to this sweet nirvana state of, of ministry where it's all peaceful and free of conflict. That's never going to happen. And if that's, your, if that's your perception and expectation of ministry, you won't last. Mm. But if you know, it's, it's kind of like an athlete goes into it. It's like, if you're wanting practice to be easy, you're never going to hold a trophy. Never. Like, it, it is difficult. If, if you want to lose weight without the hunger pain, you're, <laughs> you're not wanting to lose weight. It, it is the pain. It is the, the, it is the practice. It is digging deep. It is the grit. It is all that is normal and necessary to get what's before you. And as pastors, we've got to be able to be okay with things being not okay, that the, honestly, the more, the more we are um, probably faithful, the more, the more ugly and messy things are going to look, the heavier things are going to feel, and you can't shoulder that. That's why things like this are so important, where we can share these things with each other who get it. It's like, how are things? Man, just so much pain in our church right now. Be like, I get it, man. Thank you for your ministry. Thank you. Like, 
trust, trust Jesus to help shoulder this with you. And I want to be there for you if I can help at all with anything. Just brother on brother, sister on sister in this way. Um, but don't, don't be doing and ministering in hopes that when you have more people, it's going to get easier. Or ministering until it gets easier. This is just a busy season. No, no like this is life. This is the normal life of the pastor Amen. in ministry. And you've got to come quickly to the realization that it's beyond you and you can't wing it and you can't do it by yourself. It's going to take having those friendships. It's going to take leaning into the Spirit to let Him do His thing, letting Jesus lead your church and being content and okay with the people that He has with you. Um, so I know it's a lot of spitfire. No, that's great stuff. I'll just kind of add to that and just saying, with all this we talked about, I mean, I really like it all. I mean, I like the mess. I like the ambi- ambiguity. <laughs> I, like the, I like the pressure, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I like, like so, so, I mean, and that's what I'm called to do. Yeah. So that's part of it. That's what it's called. I mean, I mean I, I've definitely gone through seasons where, like, pastoring was hard and, you know, I was discouraged. But, I mean, if it's, you know, if it's that way forever, then you're probably not called to do it. You know, I mean, they're, 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 you know, part of it is, is, uh, it's an exciting life, right? I mean, you're, and, and I think about, you know, I, I, I get to teach some too, but I don't want at this point in my life and not in the next two decades, I can imagine just, just teaching. I want to be in the fight, you know, I want to be down with, with the people, Yeah. you know, and, 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 um, feel alive, you know, and, and, and we are problem solvers, so yeah. I, I echo what you said. So, and so I hope that, that you can feel that too, is that even you hear all this stuff, like, well, should I, be a past, uh, should I not be a pastor or planter? But then the Lord keeps drawing your heart to it. It's like, how can you not? How can you not do it? Right? Yeah. It's like he, is, and he's constantly saying, I'm enough. Yeah. I'm enough. Like, the, yeah. you know, it's like every, every struggle, every conflict, every disappointment, it's as if Jesus is like, you're welcome. Now, can you finally see that I'm enough? You know, it's, I'm it's, enough. It's not a job. It's a, not it's a I'm. Problem. I'm saying Jesus is saying yeah. that he's enough. You know, yeah, I'm definitely not enough. <laughs> That's sick. So it's not a job, but, and it's a, it's a calling. Yeah. And I would say, and, it, and you can certainly differ with me on this. That's okay. But I'll, I'll, I pray I never change my mind on this. Man, there is no way that you can be a healthy husband, healthy wife, healthy father, healthy mother, healthy minister, healthy volunteer, healthy church planner, healthy pastor, unless you are reading the Bible every single day of your life. You will not last. You will not last. You will find yourself with a mistress. You'll find yourself stealing money. You'll find yourself looking at porn. Uh, You'll find yourself frustrated and trying to wing it time after time after time, bringing unnecessary frustration to what is already a frustrating calling. And just at at some point, you're either going to have to embrace that reality and press into Scripture and prayer, or you're going to stumble upon something that's going to absolutely wreck you and destroy you Amen. and force you out of the ministry. And then you know what you're going to do? You're going to grab the Bible. And I would love for you to do it before that has to happen because it doesn't have to. Great word. It doesn't have to. Great and word that, that word. is, that, and it's, it's changing me. Um, Are you okay with man. five out of seven days? <laughs> Aaron. I mean, I mean <laughs> like, 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 like every day. I mean, so you got one day a week you're in the Word through, through uh, church. It's like you're saying with the Bible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, and, and uh, so. I have to do it, man. I, I have to do it every day. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. As far as like one of the, getting people to, to read the Bible has been probably the most important thing my ministry, but sometimes, if, if for, for our people at least, you know, you know, seven out of seven days, and they're like, oh, I'm just going to give up, you know, so I'm like, I always say, shoot for five, and then if you do it three times, if you've read the Bible 150 times, you, you know, that kind of yeah. thing, grow with it, but anyway. I mean, I celebrate any, <laughs> any momentum towards Scripture, any Amen. movement Amen. towards That's Scripture, I celebrate, but as far as ministry leaders, Man, it's just, it's got to be a discipline that we just I agree 100%. put upon ourselves. We just, yeah. this is the expectation. Like, period. This is what is required. You know, like, 
and it shouldn't be the exception, but it's, it's pathetic how few people, even ministers, read the Bible. And that's a common thread with every single one of those closed churches. That's a common thread, is they just simply weren't in Scripture. Um, now, that's not a guarantee that you won't end up drifting that way um, to disqualification or closure. Um, but it will make you an entirely different and better pastor and minister. Yeah. Uh, something where it's not related to what you're trying to teach or preach and stuff. Learn that. But uh, uh, tagging on that, I have a question. So, still not trying to fire. My best friend here, he's also my coworker. I'm trying to make friends with the people who are under my shepherd. My parents are sitting in the sitting room, my mom's the pastor. But functionally, in theory, Of course, I have a little different take on it, so I thought everyone else could. I mean, I don't want to repeat what I said before, but true. I mean, I, I mean, I think that, I think that the people in our church feel very close to me, and and um, the way we orientate our life and and that. So, um, but um, I think that 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 sense of of guardedness has a has a is healthy. Because so again, I mean, I've said it three times now. There's that art of making people feel close to you and being authentic, but you not um, getting your, you not relying on, on on them for your social needs or your reservoir, you know, your your emotional reservoirs. Yeah, it's not a. Um, I don't want you to have an image of of pride with this analogy, um, but I think through friendship in the church, like early on in your church plant. Um, well, I'll speak for me. Early on in our church plant, uh, I was buddy with everybody, like friend with everybody. I mean, when you're, when you're 12 people, <laughs> um, if you're like, well, here's what I would do, and you know, you get your Chuck Swindoll or your, you know, pastoral voice, um, and, uh, it, and try to, I don't know, you got to play to the size of your audience, you know? <laughs> um, and so I realized, though, that people were there. Your first two years, often people are at your church because of who you are as a person and friend. Um, like sheep with sheep. Right, you're, you're, a, you're a fellow sheep. Mm-hmm. They don't have a category for shepherd. Okay? Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't see you as shepherd. You're, you're just Jeremy. Like, they don't see you as pastor. Pastor Jeremy sounds so weird. Like, why am I, I never call him pastor, right? Well, that's how it is early on. Um, but then at some point when your church, it, it changes, it shifts, as more people show up that don't remember the early days. They only know you as pastor of this current church. They don't, they don't see you carrying boxes and setting up chairs and, and you, you know, your first early days. Um, and so uh, uh, as you press into that, that second, third year, um, you move from a sheep and having wool to standing up with a staff and now you've got this cloak, and you're, you're leading, and you're speaking as an authority figure. Mm. Um, there's, there's confusion for those sheep because they're like, who are you trying to be? But it's necessary for you to, to outgrow the, the infancy of church planter as you embrace more of what it means to be pastor. Um, but, and that's confusing, so confusing for so many sheep. And, and that's why it's difficult for you to keep your original core is because they can't transition from you being down on all fours to standing up and walking differently, right. speaking differently, right. having a higher posture. Um, again, don't take that as a pride thing, how I started this analogy. Um, and so how do I relate? Um, it's, it is different. I'm never going to be a, a sheep with a sheep. 
But as a shepherd, you can kneel down and, and be with them. Again, not pride. I'm not speaking of pride here. But you can be with them and hear, their, hear, hear from them like, and, and weep with them, mourn with them, celebrate with them, care for them. Yet at the same time, you know that, this, that there's something more than just being a friend and a buddy here, to Aaron's point. Because at the end of the day, you, you've got to stand up and you've got to look at where we're going. And you've got to be leading, protecting you know, guiding uh, rod and staff as you're, as you're making your way as a leader. Um, and they simply can't see that, that picture. That's why as you're standing up and looking, you can guide them and explain to them uh, where we're going, yet at the same time taking time to be with them um, through, through what it means just to be a normal person with, with, as a friend. Um, but at the end of the day, you're still not a, in a way you're not a sheep, in a way you'll always be a sheep, but you're a sheep and you're a shepherd. Um, so, the most basic practical part of it is, you know, spending time with them and, and, um, you know, I could have a, a lunch with a pastor in Nashville every day of the month. So, because I've been here so long and all that and networking is a disease of mine. Um, so, but I limit that and I, and I try to do a either one-to-one, one-to-two ratio of, of with people in our church. I mean, cause that's how I'm called to primarily. So those basic things of friendship, time, showing interest in them, asking questions about them, common interests. I go to, I mean, on the other side of that, because you don't know my life, I go to ball games with people in our church. I travel with people in our church. I have many meals with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm with them all the time. Yeah, and hosting. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm dealing with something in my marriage or if I'm depressed or whatever the case is, I'm going to, to you, Dr. Wally. You know, I'm, I'm not going. I'm not going to. I don't go to my my my, my leadership board and elders. Sure. I, I just I just don't do that. Yeah, and being in community with them. There's been seasons where we haven't had access community, like our small group in our home. There's been times where we have. Um, and I think, you know, like right now we're in a season where it seems sustainable uh, for us just to keep our access community indefinitely. And, uh, and so having new people and guests and, and um, just the, the people of our church uh, in and around our homes and families and being a friend. But in those moments, trying to, especially discussion sort of things is, like, try not to talk, because often they'll always look to you for the answer, but just be like, like Aaron's done this morning, it's like, you know, let's hear more from you guys, and um, not always trying to be the, I don't know, the teacher who grades the answers, it's like, yeah, it's okay if someone gives, this is my opinion, if someone gives a, a ish theological answer to something, it's like, it's okay, I don't, I don't need to set the precedent where I'm going to be correcting, it's okay. Like, if, if, what if I wasn't the church uh, planter and pastor in this room? What if I was just, would I be correcting this person if I was just a, a friend here in, our, in this Axis community? Um, and so I, that's tough, but that's an easy way. For me, I would, I would press into this a little bit because uh, if, if we do go back to the Bible, right, is that in the early church, what we saw was, was they were idea of sending your resume across the country <laughs> and welcoming and parachuting a guy in was unheard of. The only person that we really see of that is Paul doing that to Timothy of churches that he planted. So that's not prescriptive. I mean, it is prescriptive. It's, it, or it's, excuse me, it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive. So they, they were, I mean, it's detour, right? Mm-hmm. right? So we were best friends, and then all of a sudden God called me to be my pastor. That's what we see in I would press into the idea of, because I've been in church staffs of both, 
said both um, because here, here's the issue is as well like that would go to some of our members too um, I don't think I think we have to be very careful making it's a both and I think it is a shepherd and sheep is that at the end of the day I'm a member of missions church and out of the membership God calls elders um, and that you can it, it is tough it's ugly can be messy, there can be broken down trust, all, all of that stuff, but God is still in the midst of that messiness, and maybe he wants to hurt that, maybe maybe he's going to even use the hurt of that broken relationship, again, to bring us back to, like, Jesus is enough, you know, mm-hmm. and so his, his tool is a great guy, right? Maybe God's going to bring another Jordan to your life, but if you would never win Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. For Jesus to teach you again that He's enough. So when the next Jordan comes along, you can go, okay, do I kind of keep this guy at arm's length? Because I believe everybody's going to leave my church. Mm-hmm. I've learned to think the same thing. And I, but yet I'm going to be all in <laughs> yeah. with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Believing every one of them. My best friends are at Mission Church. But we want some of them to go because we want to plant. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I didn't know what you were going to say. Yeah, I think discernment with what you're saying, Eric, um, is necessary because um, I, I would agree with you to the, to a significant extent because, um, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm with you. Uh, but I also have to use discernment on whose shoulders are capable to even share with me a particular burden that I'm going through um, because there's, there's even things that I don't share with Jill because she doesn't have that the, the pastoral um, shoulder that God's given me, and if I tell her it's going to crush, she's, she's just not able. She's asked not to, for me to share certain things. Um, and it's not because she's lesser or, or weaker. Um, the Lord has just given me the, I don't know, some shoulders necessary to, to feel something, to carry it, and it not just destroy me. And there's, yeah. the people are like that in our church, too. 
because um, if you go into all the pastoral burden and weight, some people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, you know, and um, yeah. they, might be, they might leave that conversation thinking that you're upset, that you're angry, that you're going to resign next week. None of that's true. You've never felt more called, but you just kind of unloaded on them. So it's discerning who to share what with. It's not sure. being silent constantly. Yeah, but, um, I, I, no, I, I, I get a lot. I get, yeah, get a lot of what you said. So I appreciate what you said. Um, I think that all of our context, we use different vernacular, and, and, and we're, we have different stories. People we people we work for in the past, people we're working with too. But I'll say this: it, to God's glory, I hope, like uh, of our elders, uh, we have um, four elders, and three of them I've been in ministry with for 24 years now, since since I was you know 19 years old. You know, with, with some gaps there, but but we've been to church together for all those years. So, so that's they, crazy. They, I mean, yeah, they, they're the closest of people and all that. So yeah. So that's just, that's just part of my context that I wanted some of what I said in the past to be filtered through. Yeah, and our context is in nine years um, there was one elder myself, and then there was two, um, then there was four, mm-hmm. then there was one. And then there was two, and now we're back at one. Um, and uh, Lord willing, there'll be three once again on mm-hmm. January 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just that, yeah, it's rough. It's rough. That's, but it's fun. Yeah. Isn't that great? You get to meet all these different people, right? Yeah. And it's you get to pro- solve problems. <laughs> life, isn't, life isn't boring. <laughs> it's not boring. Yeah. It is not boring. <laughs> and, and, and I'll say this, it does, it, for those, most people adventure. in our young, it gets easier. It gets easier. It's like, you, it's like a running a marathon, like, like a, well, I've never run a marathon. So <laughs> but, but, uh, but it's like a lot of things in life, metaphors in life, or analogies or whatever. You can, um, it just, just, your capacity increases, you know, so it does get easier. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit only here now. I like that. The grace is only present now. So I can't, I, I won't be able to do it. I can't be facilitated here. But I can do it for five minutes, mm-hmm. 10,000 times. Um, and one other thing, one thing. Mm-hmm. I have been so helped, not by leadership or by any of these folks, but more than anything, by, by good Christian biographers. Um, and so if you're not, if you're a pastor listening and you're not leading Yeah, that's good. Okay, we're going to carry this conversation on to lunch for those who can join us at the GOAT. It's just straight down this road towards Jefferson Bridge on the left. There's parking in and around there. I believe there's free parking in the garage. The GOAT. Yeah. Um, they have goat wings, if you've ever heard of those. Um, but they're just chicken, chicken wings, that's all. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm going to pray for us. And, or why don't you close in prayer, Aaron?